0: everyone and welcome to Beer Breakdown where we dig into the stories behind some of our favorite LA beers with the brewers that brew them. Today I'm joined by Kevin Osborne, owner, brewer of Celidor Ales. Welcome to the show man.
1: Hey glad to be here. Thanks man.
0: Yeah thanks for joining. So Celidor, no you guys are I'm, I'm talking to you on a, on a day after release. You know we're just yeah. talking about everything that had to be done to go into releasing a this special beer that we're about to talk about. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time in the aftermath of, of what goes into a release. Yeah, um, no
1: worries. Yeah. Everything's a little bit different now, obviously. You know, All the releases are online only, so it's a little bit easier for us to manage. But yeah, it's always a little bit of a hassle. Nice.
0: So for if, if anyone doesn't know Cellador, what you guys do, can you give someone like a quick, quick intro? Like, who's Cellador? What are you guys all about?
1: Yeah, so we're a you know, Los Angeles-based brewery, we're in North Hills in the valley and we do 100% oak barrel fermented mixed culture wild ales. So everything we do is primary fermented in mostly wine barrels, but some whiskey barrels and we have like a sort of variety of house mixed cultures that we use. So it's like regular brewers, Saccharomyces yeast and lots of Botanomyces and lots of Lactobacillus and other lactic acid producing bacterias and sort of within that frame we can do like whatever we want so we brew lots of different styles we do like dark like stout influenced beers and lots of light beers and we're actually formulating and working on like a clean wit beer right now so yeah we do like a clean saison also
0: yeah that's awesome and I, I think it's important to note um before you guys opened your tasting room like you started with the um, single barrel syndicate right like your yeah. membership program kind of It feels like that's kind of like the heart of your operation. When you guys do distribution and tasting room stuff too, but talk a little bit about the Single Barrel Syndicate and like, what is that program and how important is it to you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So to give a little backstory, we um, started this brewery about four and a half years ago is when we signed the lease here. And we are a super small team. It was just me and Sarah at the time. And we didn't have enough money to like open a tap room. We are gonna start with distribution only. And so we decided to sort of right off the bat kick off this club membership. Like really after we'd only sold like one or two beers on our website, we, we kicked it off. And it's sort of the format changes a little bit every year, but basically there's like a number of different tiers. Like this year there's five tiers. And basically the tiers are you get one bottle release for every tier you're in so like tier three gets three bottles of every release and we try and do like the most special beers that we can make for the club membership um, so far this year we've done like an orange wine inspired beer and a vanilla berry beer and we just packaged a beer with uh, sugar cane juice where we like processed and juiced all the sugar canes ourselves it's like one of the most labor intensive things we've done here. It's tasting really good. And we're doing like a tiki inspired beer. It's like a, a painkiller type beer. So we did a coconut in bright tank and we infused it with orange zest. and Then we bottle conditioned it with dull pineapple juice as the bottle of the sugar. So that we try to so do some cool. fun, unique stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds amazing. I think when people know Cellador, they know that like you guys are one of the most unique breweries, not just in LA, but kind of in the country, there's like a handful of guys that are doing similar things like what you're doing and specializing just in that. It's, it's just, you know, some of the flavors that you just kind of mentioned just now, it's like some of these beers, like you're not gonna taste anything like it. And some of them don't taste anything like beer. I think some yeah. of the still beers that you guys produce are really, really interesting too. Um, yeah. So I, I think like the uniqueness is such a a key part of, of what you guys are putting out there. It's like not just i I'm
1: Yeah I'm really glad that like comes through. It's like a very important thing to me to you know like a lot of what we're doing is traditional. We do like a saison that like tries to be really like simple and traditional but I really like to also push the boundaries and like question like what is a beer even you know and like you said we do some still beers. We do a lot of like weird bottle conditioning stuff and we try and find ways to do things that no one else has ever done before but have it not be too gimmicky. We still want to use like mostly natural ingredients and like traditional processes and all that nice
0: and i think that most people these days are kind of um, accustomed to the traditional path from someone that becomes interested in beer starts home brewing you know gets a job in the cellar at a brewery and kind of works their way up or opens up their own shop or whatever like people kind of understand that at this point but someone like you who kind of like veered off path and started like creating this really unique style of beer. Like, what is your journey like? like how did you get into that? How did you decide like, I'm yeah. <laughs> gonna do this, and I don't care if like, there's a huge market for it or not. Like, I think that it's something that I can do, like put my stamp on. How did that happen for you?
1: Yeah, weirdly enough, like the path was very traditional, almost exactly what you explained, you know, it was like yeah. lots of home brewing, and then worked as a packaging person at Golden Road for like about six months on their canning line and then went down to Stone Brewing in San Diego and did like a sort of internship there for three months. And then really started writing a business model and trying to raise money to do this. And around that time, won the brewery's homebrew competition, which gave me a lot of like confidence to keep going forward with it. And then, you know, like the uniqueness of what we do, I think is really just, you know, my brain the way i work like a lot of it is like i like to challenge people and push boundaries and i like to you know challenge myself i get bored really easily with things and so like if we just made two or three beers all year that were always the same i like i would pull my hair out that i don't have anymore um (laughs) it's like it's it's like hard to keep my attention on things
0: yeah it's, it's interesting and i'm just like kind of picturing like the homebrew process of like doing like, did you have a barrel like in your garage or something? Like, were yeah. you doing barrel stuff in the homebrew stage?
1: I did have one barrel, it was like a 15 gallon whiskey barrel that was gifted to us by like a local liquor shop that we were close with. But mostly it was like Carboys, but like basically the exact same process. We were doing mixed culture, some of the same mixed cultures that we use now, we've been keeping uh-huh. around, uh, but just in Carboys. And you know, we, I sort of came up, like read a lot of books about sour beer making, and it's like sour beer making is the wild west. like everyone has their own process for doing things everyone's a little bit different and so sort of gathered as much information as I can and we came up with like a, a strategy and a process that we liked a lot, which was really mostly drawn from like other American brewers, mostly not the processes that you see at like Belgian Landry Brewers. It was really more inspired by like Jester King and Jolly Pumpkin and those type of places, which is like a relatively quicker turnaround sour, like six months as opposed to like one to three years. And yeah, I'll sort of like put that all together as a home brewer and sort of stick with that process today still
0: there's a certain percentage probably a somewhat large percentage of mainstream beer drinkers that aren't introduced you know aren't really into sour beer and if you say hey this beer is like really tart and sour they're it's not appetizing to them what is your strategy for like indoctrinating someone that isn't familiar with this style of beer into kind of developing that palate is there like a Do you introduce them with something that's a little less tart and kind of work their way up? Or do you blast them with with big tartness right off the bat? Like, I I assume that you've gone through this process many, many times with people. Like, what is the way to do
1: it? It's hard to convince people without like having them actually try the product. You know, like if you just meet someone on the street, like then you're never gonna get across like the flavors and like the concept of what it is. But we do get, I used to work the tasting room a lot here and we do get a surprising amount of people who just like wander in off the street because they're local or just Googled brewery and came in and had never had a sour beer before. And so I think like my strategy was always to sort of like, hey, like don't buy anything yet. Let me just put a couple, like as many as I can, tasters in front of you, like just like half an ounce or something of five or six different beers that sort of like range the spectrum of like the lowest, like some mild fruity stuff to some more tart or experimental stuff and just like see what works for them or if nothing works say hey have the pills that we have on tap
0: that's fine too <laughs> yeah the backup plan it's always good to have that <laughs>
1: <laughs> our sort of blending style in general has been going towards less acidic like as much as possible we want to make stuff that's like more easy to drink and that like people can feel comfortable like drinking by themselves like any night of the week that's what we really want and that's like what our pellets have sort of, um, evolved into is wanting stuff that's like a little more balanced and not super sour.
0: Yeah. I think that's kind of like the main theme of the conversations that I've had in this, in this series that we're doing where balance just becomes, you know, it's just kind of the heart of everything, no matter what style of beer you're trying to make. If it's an IPA going over the top with hops, or if it's barrel aged stout, like not going too over the top, on kind of that big boozy character. Yeah, and, with and balance, beer, yeah. I think the fruit and the barrel and, you know, the tartness you get from the bacteria, like there's just there's just balance in all of them, no matter which, even yeah. if you going pretty wacky.
1: Exactly, that's what I was gonna say is that balance doesn't mean bland, you know, like you can have triple IPA that's like, got a ton of bitterness and like a huge amount of dry hops, but like, you know, the way you balance it is with like the alcohol or with, you know, there's other ways to do it. And like with us, we think, I think a lot about like the mouthfeel of the beer, and we do, use lots of different grains and like, and we do like a certain level of carbonation in our beers to sort of like help balance the acidity and all these other like kind of bold flavors. Or no carbonation is also a way to balance like certain flavors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's start talking about moss. Yeah. This is what we're drinking today. Um, this beer, you guys just released the third blend of this beer. Yeah, third beer. So, yeah, tell, tell us about this beer. What is Moss?
1: Yeah, Moss is like a really special beer to my heart. I don't know, I guess I can go pretty far back in the backstory of it. Please. So Masamoto Farms is like probably the best producer of peaches as far as like quality and flavor go, like maybe in the world. Like they're renowned, a lot of like really high end chefs use them and they've been written about in lots of different publications. And when I was a home brewer still, I met a guy named Chris Caroga, who um, puts on the wood shop beer events like once or twice a year and there's a local guy and he I'd been to one of his events actually I went to Woodshop 8 in like 2012 or something and he we started being friends on Facebook he saw that I was brewing some stuff I had brewed a beer with peaches and reached out to me and was like hey I've got these awesome peaches that I can hook up with hook you up with like do you want some and I was like sure I didn't really know what it was at the time but apparently like ten years ago he had been wanting lost abbey to recreate this beer called yellow bus which is made with peaches and the peat it was made with like one peach tree and it fell down at the like by that time and so he like went on this like wild adventure to find like the best peaches in the world came across masamoto farms and they have like an adoption tree program which we've been doing for the last few years so you can like go up there and pick a bunch of fruit and he did that brought it to lost abbey and they kept going back every year and it's sort of like grown and grown and grown and over the last couple of years he's sourced like tens of thousands of pounds of peaches for different breweries wow. and um we're like sort of partners in it with him like a lot of it gets delivered to us and then he ships it out to other people and so uh it's a really really special farm to us it's probably like the most important farm relationship we have and moss is the name of the farmer his name is david masamoto but he goes by moss and so this beer is sort of like a little homage to him and it's in a sort of way a collaboration with him also. So like as Chris kept coming back over the years, Moss was like really surprised how much the brewers were into it and also like wanted to contribute to that somehow. And so he came up with this idea to to invent something called like late harvest fruit. And so what he did was he pruned more fruit off the tree than he usually would and then left the fruit that was on there to ripen longer than you normally would on the tree. And so the fruit got like deep deep red almost like a dark plum or like a dark red apple or something like there's a, some pictures recently on our instagram of it people want to check it out and it made the flavors just like explode like in the beer it's almost more has almost more of like a tropical fruit sort of like apricot type flavor it's really wow. really intense and so i believe i think we're the only brewery that's ever gotten that type of fruit from them too so it's, it's really a special thing between him and us this beer
0: that's kind of the heart of this beer like how do you guys use it Like. What's the the malt base for this? What do you guys do with it?
1: Yeah, this is actually one of our few beers that uses like blending from one particular base. So we brew like maybe 10 different types of beers here. And then for most of our stuff, it's like blended from different batches and from different bases. This beer so far every year has been um, our spelt is on base, so it's a wire main like, floor melted pilsner, and the spelt source changes sometimes. But we try and get like locally sourced raw spelt berries for it, and we age that like we normally do in our barrels. For this blend, it's usually about eight months in the barrel before we blend it, and we try and also, with this particular beer, when we add the fruit into the barrel. So what we'll do is like when we come up with a blend. So we're going to use these four barrels. We'll put those barrels into our packaging tank to blend the whole thing together, and then put the beer, put the fruit into the barrel, empty barrels, and then put the beer back on top of the fruit. And normally we do that with like our normal used barrels. With this, we try and put the beer on fruit into fresh wine barrels.
0: Before we open it up, I just want to kind of note the like the artwork on the label. It's such. I mean, you guys have such a. The unique beer matches the unique label and artwork that you guys have. It's so just elegant. And I really gravitate towards labels that give you an experience when you look at it that connects you to the beer that's inside. And I think your labels do a really good job with that, especially this one. I know you guys have you guys have the white versions of your labels and you guys do like a darker version and they kind of seem like two different styles. Is there is it different artists that do it? Who does this one?
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) it's actually an interesting question. So, like, the main artist who does, who's done the vast majority of, like, all the watercolor work for us, is this girl named Jenna Rainey, who I actually grew up with, like, since middle school. And she, like, exploded as we were getting started and is sort of, like, a celebrity now in the world. Has, like, a million Instagram followers or something like that. Oh, wow. But she, you know, she's been doing most of her art, but she's also super busy. So we've been working in some, like, other... Types of design too. Like you'll see a lot of stuff more recently from us that isn't watercolor based, more kind of like design and color based, and that's done by someone else, Jeremiah McNulty, who does a lot of the promo for Ellie Beer Week and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we've been trying to mix up our style a little bit and like just mess around with it. And
0: yeah, that's cool. I mean, this it, it's awesome that you're able to kind of continue your work with her for like some of these really special releases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's such a beautiful looking. The watercolor is just so unique, and just like I said, it's elegant, and it just feels like you have a connection to what's inside.
1: Yeah, she's really talented. If anyone wants to check it out, it's Jenna Rainey on Instagram. And if you come into our tasting room, she has a, a book on watercolors that we sell here too.
0: All right, let's uh, let's open this baby up.
1: Yeah. So that's another thing about this particular fruit, the. So like, when, you know when you open up like a peach, like sometimes the very middle around the um, pit has a little bit of like red coloration to it. Yeah. These particular peaches, because of the process that he uses, like the whole entire skin is like dark red. It's just like a deeply deep colored fruit. And actually in the barrel, like, and right after you bottle it, it has a like a pretty intense pink hue to it, which like fades out pretty quickly. Really? But it, gives, it, it sort of leaves this like sort of slightly darker then like straw and like rosy almost kind of look to it.
0: Yeah, it looks awesome. And yeah, on the nose, I mean, it's just, you're getting so much as you're pouring, it's just kind of like floating around. It's,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful, very, beautiful. Insanely aroma. aromatic, yeah. Yeah, what Really. Are
0: you, what are you getting on the nose?
1: I said like some of that like kind of tropical fruits, a little bit of, like sweet tarts little bit of lemon rind. To me, like, it almost comes off more as apricots and peaches. Like, I think of apricots as being, like, very floral. You get kind of, like, flowery mm-hmm. notes, but, like, it's got this, like, perception of sweetness. It almost tastes like it's going to be, like, a really sweet, like, candy-like beer. You know, it's very dry.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm getting, yeah, like you said, sweet tarts, like, lemon heads, like, that kind of, like, sweet candy. But, like, yeah, the floral really kind of goes in there, so it's not, like, big, sharp, sweet, artificial sweetness. It's, like, this really nice like floral, citrus.
1: And a little bit of oak and like a, almost a little bit of vanilla from the oak too. Oh yeah. And I, I feel like maybe there's a small portion of pits that go into the beer too. And you can get like a lot of vanilla and like vanilla character from pits.
0: Yeah, I'm getting that now that you're saying it, but I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't yeah. totally picking that up. But as you dig deeper into it, if you kind of like try to kind of travel past the floral tropical fruit, you do, that yeah. wood character is definitely present. And yeah they, like that's like backbone
1: of like vanilla yeah and uh, it seems like it's gonna have a pretty complex acid character too just from the aroma like this very very tiny amount of like acetic acid which is generally considered like a negative thing in beer but like in really small amounts it can be more pineapple than it is like vinegar hmm. and i like that a lot too
0: well let's let's get the then. world cheers
1: Yeah, super lemony, citric acidity. It's like a a strong acid, but not like overwhelming at all. I think it's like almost more thirst quenching because of the acid.
0: Totally, I mean, like you said, the pineapple is really there. And I love the mouthfeel. It's just like the carbonation on it. It just, it's kind of, it's hard to describe like what it does in your mouth and what your style of beers in terms of like the carbonated ones, the ones that are really, kind of like bright and light, it like dances on your tongue. I mean, that's like the best way I can describe what I just experienced.
1: Exactly, that's kind of another unique thing about us is we shoot for like really high levels of carbonation. Like in your normal beers, if you're looking at like two to like 2.8 volumes of CO2, and we shoot more around 3.8 volumes of CO2. And for me, that like really one, like brings out the aromas, it like explodes, like because all the bubbles are, are coming out of it, it like explodes the aroma into your face but also like gives that extra perception of like big mouth feel and just kind of like coats your whole tongue immediately. Totally. Um, and like it, to
0: it lasts, like it's coating as it going down, it's coating like the back of my throat, like my full tongue. Yeah. You're getting like this really like full palate from front to back experience, which
1: is yeah. really cool. But as a warning to everyone, because of the high carbonation, you really have to open them cold. Like if you open this at room temperature, it's gonna be a little bit exploding on you. Mm. So get yeah. it, get it cold. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I mean,
0: drinking this cold is—I feel like an ideal experience. Like I—I I mean, yeah. I guess it would—it would be delicious uh, at room temp also. But this is like—I—I I love it comes out at this time of year because it feels like a early summer before it gets like sweltering. Yeah. But, like drinking this type of beer is like really appetizing.
1: Yeah. It's like you're right. It's a perfect time of year. We didn't really even plan it like that, but. Also, peach season starts this week like the first varieties of peaches are coming in so it's just like you know nostalgia bringing back like those times from last year totally just kind of capturing the it farm at the same
0: time every year
1: no not necessarily it's usually like the first half of the year but it like really just depends on how the beers coming along we don't have, right. we don't have tight really schedules for anything
0: and you let it sit on the fruit longer this time too right or you let it sit in barrels longer
1: uh, yeah every batch has been pretty long in the barrels yeah. for this particular beer
0: and I'm I'm kind of getting that like white peppery floral saison yeah. to it too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's something I wrote in my uh, tasting notes for this is like a little bit of pepper notes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is really good.
0: It's complex without making you feel like it's complex. You know, sometimes you just want to yeah. like sit and enjoy and it. Like it's got that complexity, but it also just has that like really light and bright, like really carbonated and light and airy. It just Really, really yeah. well done. Really well done. Thank
1: you so much, it's a really fun beer.
0: How does blend three compare to previous blends just from your memory? Yeah, I
1: think the first blend had a little bit more acidity and you know, the peach flavor was a little bit different. I don't really know how to quantify it, but like I would say more like, peaches than this is more like got lots of other kind of fruit flavors mm-hmm. perceived in it. The second batch had a little more oak, I think, it was a little more of that vanilla and like similar acidity to this. They're all like kind of in the same vein though. The, first, the very first year we did it, we actually, it was three separate beers. We did a beer called Mas, and then Menos Mas, and Mas Mas. And the other variety, varieties were like different in a certain way. Like one of them was also aged on like second-use apricots, and one of them aged on second-use peaches. It was kind of like a, a weird series. But this, the last two years, we've done just this one variety, but in, in like three sizes, and 375s and 750s and Magnums.
0: How do you anticipate it changing over time like if i had a bottle of this and i sat on it for like six or twelve months do you have any idea on like what you'd expect or do you kind of are you of of the camp like drink it fresh this is like when it's best
1: yeah i don't think it changes much within within eight months to a year it should stay same actually i think we most of us here agree that most of our beers tend to get better for the first six months. Like, we'll usually release two to three months into bottle conditioning, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, you know, perfect, ready to drink, but like, next couple of months, we we'll like it more, we like it even more. And then, you know, after that, for the first year and a half, it's just like changing a little bit. It's gonna taste a little bit different. The fruit's gonna start to fall off a little bit, but it'll never like really completely go away, unless you age it for like five years. I think our beers are best drank within six months to a year. Like, I personally, have a lot of beer that I like overage from other breweries and you know, most of it's probably bad. I don't think any beer should be aged longer than like two or three years.
0: And I think you risk losing that balance at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's an aged product when it's released, you know, it's been Mm -hmm. in the works for a year most of the time. And so it's ready to go. So you
0: bottle condition with honey, right?
1: I'd say the majority of our beers are conditioned with honey. And then if they're not, it's because they're either not carbonated or because we did some kind of special experiment like the carrot cane beer that we did is bottle conditioned with the carrot juice. So there's no honey in there. And there's a couple other beers like that, but yeah, the majority conditioned with orange blossom honey.
0: Is that something that someone should be picking up in like the flavor profile
1: too? Some people do. Some people that have never even known that we do use honey will pick up like a honey character. There, I think it like does a couple things to the beer. It brings out this like kind of perception of sweetness from like the residual flavors of the honey, even after all the sugars are recreated. Mm-hmm. I think that it helps with the mouth feel a little bit for similar reasons. It helps feel a little bit fuller and you get kind of like those sweet, tarty flavors also like the aroma and the flavor. I think a lot of that comes from the honey, but I wouldn't say that you should pick up like anything specifically honey tasting um, unless you have a really, really great palate. Right. I, I usually don't pick up honey.
0: Cool. This, I mean, this is amazing. Uh, I, uh, I love the fruit and just the whole concept of the beer. And again, when you experience aroma and flavor on this, it's just so unique and such a, I think, just such a special beer. I think I have at least one of the previous blends. Nice. And I'm so glad that I have another bottle of this that I, I am going to
1: sit on for a few months and kind of see how it goes. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, we hope to do it again for every year. Like, obviously it's up to Moss because it's a specific type of process that he has to use. I haven't heard, like, yet this year if they're gonna do it again or not, but I think that they probably will because I just talked to him recently and he's, I know he's very, like, proud of having his, his name on a beer label. So, yeah. <laughs> hopefully That's we can keep cool. it going for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd be proud of
0: this too. This is a really special beer. We're drinking this on the day after release. You know, you have, you're selling some bottles out of the tasting room and, It's going into distribution. By the time this comes out, it's gonna be a couple weeks later. It's gonna be hard to find at that point, right?
1: Yeah, you might have to trade, do a little trade with your friends or (laughs) it's possible we'll have some, but unlikely, but yeah, there will be a few shops around LA that'll carry it in small quantities. And we just delivered this week to some Northern California shops that are gonna get it also. So if you live in Northern California, take a look out for it. Otherwise, we'll have other similar beers coming out soon. Well, this is
0: a special collaboration with Moss, but you use Masamoto fruit in a lot of your beers throughout the year, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, we use through like six or seven different releases usually every year with their fruit.
0: Cool. So it's something something to look forward to. Something coming out later this year.
1: Yeah, there'll be one in a couple of weeks.
0: Anything coming up this year? I mean. We're in the middle of like insane so whatever plans you had are probably <laughs> completely yeah. scrapped what's what's on your mind in the short term and the long term is there anything that like anything that you're excited about or are we just kind of trying to get
1: through day to day at this point a little bit of both you know like for the last for the first couple months or the first six weeks of the coronavirus stuff i was pretty like down about what was going on and like pessimistic and we really weren't doing anything at theory. i wasn't about beers at all. But we're getting to the point now where we're starting to package again, starting to plan and there's some stuff that I'm pretty excited about. Next club beers are gonna be really great. We're gonna do a lot of fruit again this year. Fruit beers will be fun. We've been doing wine beers for the last couple of years and we've got some more of those coming out soon. Those are probably some of my favorite beers. So, awesome. Yeah, we'll have lots of cool stuff soon.
0: We're not going away. Yeah, good to know. So if you're watching this and you can't get a hold of this bottle, I'm sorry. Wait for next year, hopefully it comes out again, it's gonna be really good. So you wanna keep your eyes open for that. But really any Cellador beers, go to a good bottle shop around LA. I know that you know the good ones get these different beers from time to time. So definitely look out for Celador and that kind of classic watercolor label or some of their yeah. other labels. There's beer going down to San Diego and in Northern California as well from time to time. So if you're in any of those areas, look out for it. I always recommend a visit to the tasting room in North Hills in the Valley right off the 405, very convenient to get to, where you can try a lot of beers that don't make it in a bottle or don't make it too long to like hit bottle shops. So always yep. nice to drink beer. I mean, you're sitting in, in your barrel room right there, like it's the t- taste room's attached to it. So it's just like yeah. uh, feeling close to the beer and experiencing the beer right next to where it sits in barrels, it's just, to me, it's a magical feeling. I love doing that. I mean, that's your Yeah, workshop, I think it's great so. too. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's fun to be like, you know feel part of it and be in the space where something is and the, the wood and the barrels are beautiful so
0: yeah absolutely okay. so guys look out for cellador beers grab some drink it enjoy it kevin thanks so much for joining me i appreciate Cheers. it again.
1: thanks so Cheers. much man you guys